0: what's so, up somebody wake me yo what's up man is this thing on <laughs> jay soderbergh that's me john luckenbaugh that's him two
1: podcasting veterans one from the production space and one from the outer space
0: and we're we're q and a weekly news and tips in podcasting on podcasts hello and welcome to the queued up podcast on podcasting i'm pod vader a.k.a. Jay Soderberg. I'm here with John Luckenbaugh. John, how are you? I'm doing great, Jay. As per usual, we're going to talk about the business and tech of podcasting. This week, we're going to get into the charts. I wrote my title as Making Sense of the Charts. We're going to talk about a bunch of different charts and what they all mean. And John is going to teach me a lesson. What are you teaching me this week, John? What makes a good podcast? That is a loaded question, John. (laughs) Uh, but I'm looking forward to that. We also have a little bit of listener feedback, which I can't wait to share and uh, numbers from the Apple podcasts. Can't wait to share the latest numbers from Apple. Before I get into all of that, just letting you reminding you all that uh, you can find this podcast, wherever great podcasts are heard, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. You can reach out to us. Uh, I am at the real pod Vader on Twitter. Next fan up at gmail.com uh, is the best email address to get in touch with me. John, how can people get in touch with you?
1: The best email address to get in touch with me is info at qd-up.com or at the website, which is qd-up.com. And that stands for queued up, in
0: case you uh, you, you didn't realize that. John, last week your studio exploded something something went yeah. completely wrong with your studio uh, and so we had to use uh, zoom for our second episode but this week uh, we are using something completely different yeah this week we're
1: using Squadcast, which is something i've been wanting to try out how do you feel about the experience
0: so far I- i'm liking it we have some video so that we can see each other even though i'm using the same podcast for uh, the same computer for my notes and talking to you so does make it difficult for me to make eye contact with you while I'm reading my notes. so far it's really nice. I noticed that uh, my default microphone was my built-in microphone, not my yeti uh, right. and we were able to to switch that so I am on my yeti so if if anybody is worried about my audio it is coming from my yeti and John screwed it up somehow in post-production <laughs> I like the uh,
1: the green room feature that they have although we can't see each other in the green room before we start to record. I do like being able to to see and hear yourself in the green room.
0: Mm. I might have been quick in the green room. I, I maybe I just missed you because I was I, I logged in, I clicked on the link you sent me, and I typed in my name and I clicked join, and it brought me right into the session. Mm-hmm. So that might just have been on me. As far as the the pricing of of the
1: service, it l- seems like it's a. Uh, it looks like it's. Pretty much the same as Zoom. You do have a cheaper feature, but that only allows you to do like two hours a month of recording. So if you're doing a a weekly show, then most likely you want to go to the next higher level, which is I think it was $17 a month, which is a a little bit more expensive than Zoom, but uh, it should allow you enough to record a
0: weekly episode. Awesome. Does this give you the opportunity to produce in separate tracks? I believe so. We'll see. All right.
1: Awesome. <laughs> That's
0: one of the features of Squadcast. Awesome. All right. Well, there you go. So as, as we mentioned in our first episode, we're going to try and use a different service for a number of weeks until we exhaust the number of different services that we can possibly use. And um, this week is Squadcast. So uh, shout out to Squadcast and enjoy our review of your services. Uh, each week, our podcast should sound different. And it'll be because of the different sites that we're using. All right, John, uh, you ready to jump into the charts and what the charts mean and why people get all excited about the charts in podcasting? I should say the first thing is people should not get all excited about the charts in podcasting. (laughs) Oh, yeah? The charts are always incomplete. And what I mean by that is they can only measure shows that are part of their services. So the Apple charts, that's the one that everybody always looks to. And Mm -hmm. honestly, it is one of the more important ones because Apple is still the largest destination for podcast listening. However, it's important to understand what the chart is actually telling you. So for instance, if you're on the homepage of the Apple Podcasts store, uh, I'm still on iTunes, by the way. I don't know why this hasn't upgraded to Apple Podcasts. Perhaps that's on me. I haven't updated it yet. But in any case, on the homepage of the Apple Podcasts, you have a rows. Uh, you have the new and noteworthy row. And currently, as uh, we are exiting the month of October, there's just a little scary. These these particular charts are all self-curated by Apple Podcast editors. They are picking the shows that they are going to feature in those particular rows, and they are just putting them in there. For how, uh, in whatever manner that they want, in whatever order that they want. Those are not charts. So whenever you go, oh, uh, Katie Couric is number two in New and Noteworthy. Now, that, that's not true. <laughs> She's not number two in New and Noteworthy. She just happens to be the second podcast shown in the New and Noteworthy chart. The other thing, and you'll see this in all of the different categories in the right-hand column, there is the top episodes chart. We'll come back to that one. And then there's the top shows chart. Currently, as we are looking at this, Dr. Death Season 2, Dr. Fata from Wondery, is the number one show, followed by the Joe Rogan Experience, The Daily, Crime Junkie, and the Ben Shapiro Show. Those are your top five. The top shows chart is actually a representation of Uh, based on an algorithm that Apple has. And I used to know exactly what the formula was. If you listen to Rob Walsh at Libsyn, who also hosts The Feed, uh, he's discussed what the actual algorithm is for the Top Shows chart. But it is a representation of the number of new subscribers that a show has during a given length of time. And it's weighted for those new subscribers. So. For instance, you might have a show that has 10,000 listeners to a podcast, but you didn't have any new subscribers to your show in the last week. Your show ends up getting weighted and you show up lower in the charts than you do for a brand new podcast that has just started and all of their listeners are brand new subscribers. That show ends up showing up higher in the charts because they have a whole bunch of new subscribers to the show. Now, I've been told that it does not incorporate the rankings into this algorithm, and I'm not 100% sure that's true. Uh, I'm going to take that particular information with a grain of salt, because I do believe that the rankings are somehow formulated into into the show formula. I could be wrong, I could be extremely wrong, And somebody may have very specific information directly from Apple that that opinion is wrong. But I do believe that the rankings are formulated into the top show's chart. So understand that even if you're a ginormous show like Dr. Death or Joe Rogan or The Daily, you're still going to have a whole number of new subscribers, even if you have a ginormous fan base already. So. Cracking that top 10 or top 20 or top 100 is going to be extremely difficult unless you have a show that's generating a whole bunch of new subscribers. I happen to know that back in the day, This American Life used to only allow you to uh, see one or two or – I think it was like the month – I don't remember. They only allowed you to see like four or five – Episodes in their library at any given time, and then they removed them, so that you always had to continually subscribe to the show to get the latest
1: new episode. It's kind of like a cheat code to being on the top of the top of the rankings.
0: A little bit. Now let's get back to the top episodes chart. That's
1: in Apple. So what's the difference between the the top charts and top episodes? So if it's subscribers that put you on the top charts, what is top episodes?
0: the top episodes is the actual number of people that have listened to that particular episode. So currently, at number one is uh, the Joe Rogan show, number 1,555 with Alex Jones and Tim Dillon, followed by Kanye West, followed by the mysterious death of, I don't know, it's a crime junkie episode. Uh, I guess I could hover over the ellipses to find out the full title. Michelle O'Connell, just to give her or do Um, the daily at number four and the daily at number five, two episodes of the daily. So these are the actual number of people that have listened to that particular episode on Apple. This does not include the total number of people have listened to that episode at all, because all of these podcasts are also available on Spotify and Stitcher and iHeart and et cetera, and et cetera, and et cetera. So the top episodes chart is only counting the total number of listens to an episode on Apple. To me, the top episodes chart is probably one of the most important charts to be looking at when you're talking about the biggest podcast, because it is actually measuring the listens to that particular episode on this particular platform. And Apple being the largest platform, it has the most amount of weight behind it.
1: So what's that say about Joe Rogan? If he's three of the top 12 episodes on on Apple, and isn't he on Spotify exclusively?
0: His exclusive deal with Spotify starts in January. All of his episodes are still available elsewhere until January. But yes, it it will be interesting to see how that will affect Joe Rogan. And actually, we do see some of those effects already In some of the other charts that are released. Now, I should say, so Spotify, I'm not 100% sure if Spotify has a chart, but I believe Spotify's charts are all self-curated. So there's not necessarily a number associated with the shows that show up in the top 10 of Spotify, for instance. That is a a self-curated list. Um, One of the reasons why why we brought up the subject about uh, charts is because there was a new chart released by Media Monitors, which is measuring the top podcasts. Now, the way that they've measured is they have did a listener survey fielded between September 14th and 30th uh, during 2020. They were 18 plus, and they were screened on whether they had listened to a podcast in the last seven days and asked to list the podcast titles. They were encouraged to consult their podcast app of choice during the survey. And the unassisted responses were then individually matched back to unique RSS feeds, which were pulled to collect information about genre and publisher. Uh, Obviously, you could tell I was reading that directly from their website, (laughs) (laughs) MediaMonitors.com. I will also tell you that uh, their survey is based on 1,019 online survey completions from respondents in the United States. And they have the top publishers here from the third quarter. But again, this is based on a 1,000 people during a week in September. I I think it's important to note the length of time, the size of the sample, and and now it's being just thrown at, this is representative of everything. But iHeartRadio is number one. I do believe Media Monitors is a subsidiary of iHeartRadio. Not saying that that's necessarily why iHeartRadio is number one, but it is something to take note of. Number two is NPR. Number three is Earwolf, which is interesting uh, to see Earwolf back in the uh, picture. Uh, Earwolf being one of the uh, pioneers of podcasting from way back in the day. The Westwood One Podcast Network, Wondery, ESPN, NBC News, and MSNBC podcasts, The New York Times. Barstool, Crooked Media, Cast Media, Podcast One, The McElroys, and This American Life, and WBEZ. So those are your uh, top publishers uh, for the third quarter, according to Media Monitors. Now the top podcasts, the top 25 from quarter three, Joe Rogan, number one, The Daily, number two, Crime Junkie, number three, This American Life, number four, Stuff You Should Know, number five. My Favorite Murder, six. The Ben Shapiro Show, seven. Joe Budden podcast, eight. Uh, The Michelle Obama podcast is nine. Uh, She's new to the chart. And Caller Daddy is at number 10 uh, from Barstool Sports. You can go to MediaMonitors.com and read the top 25. I don't need to recite the top 25 here for everyone. Understand that this report is limited to a thousand people. For the course of a week. And granted, these thousand people might be listening to a podcast on a weekly basis. But to me, the sample size seems extremely small. Edison Research, you know, where my uh, online boyfriend Tom Webster works, releases a chart as well. And their chart is done in a similar manner to media monitors, except their time period. Is from July 7th to July 24th. And the number of people that they interviewed is 8,080 online interviews of people that consume podcasts on a weekly basis, 18 or older in the United States. So again, this doesn't even take into account foreign listeners at all. Their top podcasts uh, for Q3. Was the Joe Rogan experience, The Daily, This American Life, My Favorite Murder, Crime Junkie, Stuff You Should Know, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, Planet Money, Pod Save America, and Serial. What I think is important about the difference between media monitors and Edison research is obviously the sample size and the time period. To me, Edison's giving you a much bigger sample and a much better view even if it is coming through blinders in a way, because it is still just a sample of a total universe of listening as to what the top podcasts actually are. So people say, well, wait, this is a digital medium. Why aren't we, why aren't we measuring things by downloads? Don't we have a way to electronically measure podcasts? And John, the answer to that is yes, we do. The unfortunate answer is you can still only measure the people that will opt into that type of service. I think quite possibly the more f- most famous of these is PodTrack. So PodTrack has always released their podcast industry rankings. But again, this is based on only the people that have opted into their measuring service. Uh, and they use a prefix at the beginning of your RSS feed to count the the number of people that are listening to your show. For September, their top podcasts were The Daily, NPR News Now, Up First which is from NPR, The Ben Shapiro Show, Call Her Daddy, This American Life, Stuff You Should Know, Dateline NBC, Pardon My Take and Radio Lab. Now again, you note that a lot of these shows are still all the same. So it is it is important to note that obviously these shows are gigantic. The Daily is obviously gigantic. The Ben Shapiro Show is gigantic. Call her daddy, for whatever reason, is gigantic. (laughs) Um, And you can tell that
1: because they're on the top charts for each one of these? Correct.
0: If you take a look at all of the charts together, there should be a chart of the charts, right? (laughs) We could chart all of the chart, and then we'd come up with an even better look at what the podcast universe is looking like. But again, you have to understand, like, there's no Joe Rogan on the pod track charts anymore. Because he signed an exclusive deal with Spotify, so uh, he doesn't—he's not using the PodTrack service anymore. I believe he did use it for for some time. Then there's Chartable. Chartable says every week we use Chartable's IIB V2 certified measurement of audience size to create the top 200 and trending charts across 20 different countries based on weekly changes in audience among the 5,000 podcasts using our proprietary feed integration. New charts drop every Wednesday morning. The charts are opt in and open to any publisher to join free of charge. This is from the period of October 19th to October 25th. The number one show, according to Chartable, is Crime Junkie, followed by The Ben Shapiro Show, followed by Dateline NBC, Office Ladies, Freakonomics Radio, The Dan Bongino Show from the Westwood One Podcast Network, The Rachel Maddow Show, Anatomy of a Murder, The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, and Lore. Those are your top 10. My problem with Chartable, and I can say this using my own podcast as an example, Chartable might be, might be IAB version 2 certified, but they tell me my podcast gets three times the number of downloads my IAB version 2 certified podcast host tells me I get. So I don't, one, I don't know how... Chartable ended up becoming certified based on that information. And two, I'm more likely to believe the lower number than I am the larger number. That said, since Chartable is pulling a lot from the listening platforms such as iTunes, it's curious to see, remember when I talked about the, the different episodes that are ranked and, and where their ranking is, how some of these shows ended up either magically appearing in their top 10 or were in different spots in the top 10 based off of the Apple episodes chart that I was talking about earlier. What I'm saying is the charts are useful to a degree, but it's understanding what the charts actually represent that is most important when you're looking at the podcast rankings charts.
1: Don't necessarily rely on one but take
0: from the overall picture of it just looking back at what we talked about the daily can claim they're the number one podcast in the world according to Podtrack. track uh, crime junkie can claim they're the number one podcast in the world according to charitable <laughs> the joe yeah. rogan experience can claim they're the number one podcast in the world and quite honestly probably is yeah according to edison research and Media monitors. (laughs) Dr. Death can claim they're the number one show in the world, according to the Apple podcast Top Shows chart. Mm -hmm. Did I mention Dr. Death in any of those other uh, charts? I don't think I did.
1: Not in the top 10. I didn't see him. Yeah.
0: So, again, it all comes down to understanding what it is that you're looking at. Oh, other people will say, well, I'll search – I'll search the sports category and I'm number 10 in, in, in sport. Well, when you search, you have to understand that's not actually giving you a a chart of how your show ranks in the search. That's not the way that that's working because I see a lot of that. Oh, I was number, I was number five in the business category. Hmm. What chart were you looking at? Uh, were you looking at the top shows? Were you looking at search? Were you looking at a curated list? Or were you looking at episodes? Because that tells me a whole lot about what you really were and what you really aren't. The charts are useful in, in giving you sort of a sense of understanding what shows are obviously very large, but they don't actually tell you who's number one. Unless we did a chart of the charts. And then I think we could probably figure out that it's the Joe Rogan experience Joe Rogan. without a doubt. Right.
1: All right, we could definitely put together a top. Five from all these charts together.
0: I, I don't I don't want to do that. <laughs> Sounds like too much work. Yeah. Well, I hope you learned a little something there. Now it's time for me to learn a little something, as John is about to teach Pod Vader a lesson. John, why did you choose what makes a good podcast as your category? Because quite honestly, that is a very open ended question. Well, different strokes for different folks, I
1: guess. And that goes for what a good podcast or production value actually means. It could mean the technical quality of your show or its basic elements and how they join together. What production value does is show listeners that you are worth listening and subscribing to. And with studies suggesting that audio quality directly influences perceptions, podcasts are looking for ways to attract new listeners and keep them listening. The best starting point is to improve your show's production value to create a quality podcast that will sound polished.
0: Hmm. What
1: do you mean by production value, John? Well, let's start with improving your podcast sound quality. Jay, have you ever experienced a podcast with terrible sound? Hmm.
0: Let me think about this. (laughs) Uh, I think I have. Yes. (laughs) Yes.
1: We've all seen just how harsh it can be to listen through poor audio. Sound quality is the easiest way to increase production value, and you can do that by removing any kind of distraction that might hinder an emotional connection. So let's dive
0: into that a bit more. Are Are you saying that perhaps we shouldn't be using a different recording service every week? We should just use the best. Well, we're going through this to find the best.
1: And oh, okay. So we can, we can let everybody know what was the best for us. One thing is, a good room outdoes an expensive setup. Choosing the appropriate place to record is necessary. An echoey room or loud area, it won't make a difference what equipment you use. It's really hard to contain the reflection of sound waves caused by little or no acoustic treatment. Think hard surfaces, bare walls, windows, hard floors. Softening the room with curtains, carpeting, cushioned furniture is at least a start. Room Echo might be the number one reason to tune out. This is a loud signal that your podcast is at an unprofessional level. Have you
0: done anything to your room, Jeff? Um, Well, as you can see in my video, no, I have (laughs) not really. But I do have carpeting on my floors and I do have things uh, hanging on my walls. So it does Mm -hmm. tend to muffle things. I also have a very it's not a very open room. There's a lot of stuff in this room. So the right. sound waves are not likely to give me that echoey sound, uh, that you would get in an emptier room with mm-hmm. nothing on the walls and nothing on the floor. NPR folks like to put a blanket over their head, over their microphone and their head to really get a really deep muffled kind of sound, right. um, to their, You will also see that, um, people will buy sound cabinets that they can put over their microphone that sort of helps dampen any sort of the reverb that you would get from sound bouncing off a wall. You're right. It really does it, it's more about being in a in a quiet space than than a loud space. I record in front of a of a window. Fortunately, there's not a lot of traffic on my road. If there was, you'd probably hear a lot of the cars driving by or the dump truck when it comes to get the garbage uh, on Thursdays.
1: And that's with COVID and doing all the remote recordings. I'm in an environment that isn't conducive to recording either. Finding a quiet second in this war zone with my kids screaming, fighting, laughter, toys everywhere, dog barking. It's really difficult to find that second of, of quietness to record. So background noise, like you said, traffic, weather, air conditioning, wild kid is inescapable using a dynamic microphone can limit some of that sound coming through and another option is to record some room tone or a wild track to go underneath the dialogue also recording onto separate tracks makes it easier to remove noises without it affecting the entire audio
0: oh is that why i asked if we could record on separate tracks john
1: Uh, absolutely so if my daughter screams in the background while you're talking it could be removed without it harming your audio quality Mm. It seems kind of smart, especially since we're recording in separate spaces. Along with uh, removing the noise, there are other simple edits that can be made, such as making sure everyone's at the same level. You don't have one louder than the other. You can silence breaths, remove crutch words like, uh, um, like, so. This can go a long way in creating a better podcasting experience for your listener.
0: John, it's in my contract, though, that I'm supposed to be two decibels louder than you, so that I come off... (laughs) As the alpha on this podcast. Okay, dude. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Another thing is to listen to your podcast like your listener. And that's mixing on studio monitors doesn't guarantee that it will sound the best for the majority of your listeners. Since very few will have studio monitors lying around. The, the best test of whether your podcast sounds good is to listen to it how your audience would. For example, through headphones, your smartphone, laptop. This helps spot additional adjustments needed in the edit. This also lets you be sure it
0: sounds natural for the listener. So this is a very controversial topic that you just brought up, John, because I've seen (laughs) a number of editors that will say, no, I must mix with monitors. I've seen others that say, no, I must mix with headphones. And I've seen some that say, do not mix with AirPods. Do not mix with earbuds. Make sure you have a good quality set of headphones and i've also seen people say i don't need the most expensive headphones i just need a pair of headphones that will cover my ears that at least will just go over my ears what say you john you're you're more of the (laughs) expert in this field than i am
1: the first thing i like to do is mix on my studio monitors because they sound amazing but then i follow that up by taking to other different sound sources listen to it on my headphones listen to it on my laptop the car test when I whenever I would produce music, that's the first thing I would do. Let's take a ride in the car because if it sounds good in the car, it's gonna it's gonna bump right. Sa- same thing. Where do most people listen to podcasts? If you're exercising, you have your AirPods on. If you're in the car, you listen on Car Studio. So, if you have Studio Monitors, mix on Studio Monitors because they sound amazing. But don't forget to also listen to where people will most likely be listening to it. Did you just drop a,
0: it's going to bump on this podcast? That was <laughs> that was brilliant by you. I'm not going to lie. This podcast is bumping. Is there, <laughs> is, there, is there more I need to know about production value? Yeah, yeah. Also to consider,
1: do you remember what our last lesson was about? Uh, I believe that was about music licensing. Yeah, and Podsafe music. Another quick and easy way to up the production value of your podcast is to think about sound design. And sound design means planning out how listeners will experience and or engage with your podcast. This includes things like music choices, transitions, sound effects. These audio pieces play a significant role in the listening experience. Correctly used, things like sound effects suggest a bigger budget or professional editing. You could add a music transition to break up your show into segments. And your overall goal should be to let the sound design add to the listener's experience rather than distract from it. So do not use 15 music tracks in a 20-minute show with 60 sound effects. That's a little overkill.
0: I believe that's called overproducing. (laughs)
1: Uh, It's
0: also called a lot of work for Jay.
1: So uh, again, that ties back to the last episode where you can find a lot of websites that provide music or sound effects, and you'll be able to find both pod safe sound effects and songs that can help boost your production value. I have one last note, Jay, and it's part of the podcast improvement is understanding if and when parts of your process are better done by someone other than yourself. While it might cost a bit more for experienced podcast professionals to work on different areas of your podcast, it would also allow you to focus your time on your more important tasks. Yeah,
0: because I was going to say, what makes a podcast good? I mean, we could get into the content side of podcasting yep. real quick. I happen to know a guy who has this service called Queued Up does this sort of thing for a living? Just saying. Before we jump into the Apple podcast numbers here for the week, uh, we got a little bit of feedback, and it happens to come directly from the guy who provides us those Apple podcast numbers. It's Daniel J. Lewis, everybody. Hello. Hey. Uh, No, Daniel J. Lewis is not actually here, but he did send me a tweet saying, it's good to hear you podcasting about podcasting again. It's good to be podcasting about podcasting again. A minor correction on your discussion about music subscription sites, most, if not all of them, let you keep the music in episodes you already released, but won't let you use the music for future episodes. He continues, and some individual license sites require users to renew their license or licenses every year for a series with ongoing episodes, and some places even limit how many downloads you can serve under a standard license. It's all about reading the licenses carefully, and asking questions. And I would just say, I don't take offense to the fact they said a minor correction, because it's not really a minor correction, because I do know of some sites that will require you to remove your music out of episodes that have already been published. But it is really about that last line. It's all about reading the licenses carefully and asking questions and knowing exactly what you're getting when you purchase that music. And that includes how many downloads you're allowed
1: for that license. Like you and I were talking about before, if it only allows you a thousand downloads and you get 2000 downloads, well, <laughs> there's going
0: to be a bill coming your way. Although yeah. I don't quite know how they would know how many downloads have occurred, but I guess that's a story for a different podcast. All right. The Apple podcast numbers from mypodcastreviews.com. uh, these, this information is courtesy of my podcast review service by Daniel J. Lewis. Our current total number of podcasts, valid podcasts, are at 1,575,817. They're quite a bit added in the last few days here as I do some quick rough math, about 12,000 or so uh, in the last uh, week here. Uh, Not many getting removed either. Uh, over the last few days. It looks about on average about just over 300 per day. I think our next week's show will probably go we'll go more in depth on the total number of podcasts that were added during the month of October. So we'll go through all of the active versus inactive podcasts available in the feeds. We'll go over the entire site, but you can obviously go and find all of these numbers yourself at mypodcastreviews.com. All right, John, I believe we've come to the end of uh, our podcast for this week. It's been a great episode
1: with going over the charts. That's useful information for myself. I think what it comes down to with the
0: charts, John, is just you just got to know what it is that you're actually looking at and understand that being number 1 isn't necessarily being number 1 unless you're Joe Rogan. And the thing about
1: what makes a podcast sound good. There's lots of different ways that you can make it sound good, but the easiest place to start is your sound quality and making sure you're in a good room for recording. And if you have the ability to edit, there's a little bit of editing that you can do just to to make it sound better.
0: And John, I meant to ask you this during the period when you were teaching me this lesson. Do you have to have expensive equipment to... Get good quality sound?
1: No, you don't have to have expensive equipment. Obviously there's better equipment than some at the lowest price point, but just like how you and I are, are recording where I'm recording on the the Electric Voice RE twenty, which price point is at four hundred, and you're recording on the the Yeti, which is at price point of a hundred, we still sound good. So, you don't have to break the bank for expensive equipment. Excellent to know.
0: I am found at the real Pod Vader on Twitter, nextfanup at gmail.com if you prefer sending me an email. My DMs are open on Twitter, though, so you don't have to make all of your uh, notifications to me public if you don't prefer. John, how can people get in touch with you?
1: Email is info at qd up.com or website at
0: qd up.com. And that stands for Queued Up, which is the name of this podcast. Queued Up, podcast on podcasting. We'll be back again next week with another exciting edition of the Queued Up podcast on podcasting. Until then, there you have it.